Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast. I'm Robin Birkin, and I am so grateful and honored that you're here today. From my own journey with infertility and loss to becoming a mind-body practitioner and holistic fertility coach, it is my sincere hope that I can help make your journey to conceive lighter, more supported, and easier by sharing deep emotional well-being guidance, doable conception tips, and real talk about what infertility and loss looks like. I'm here with you every step of the way. Now let's begin. Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Warriors. I am so excited to be chatting with you. Today, we are chatting about what to expect on your first IVF cycle. But before we begin, it would be remiss for me to not let you know that we are about to commence a 90-day reset within the Mind Body Fertility Reset community. So if you didn't know, the Mind Body Fertility Reset is an ongoing community membership program that can help you support you emotionally through infertility. It can help you feel like you've got your life back, like you're back in the driver's seat. And it comes with so many incredible things that can support you on your fertility journey to help you feel better. That includes yoga and Pilates. Every Wednesday, we drop a new meditation. We have workshops, we have guest expert interviews, lots of tools on lifestyle support. But the 90-day reset is a game changer. It's broken up into three phases. So we're going to start on the 10th of November, month one. It's all going to be about rediscovering ourselves. Who am I? What do I like? How am I actually feeling? How can I start to feel like I'm in the driver's seat of my life again and take stock of exactly what's going on with my life and where I'm at right now? And start to be able to put together an action plan, put together focus and get some tools in our tool belt to help us cope through infertility and trying to conceive. Month two is going to be recharging. How do we recharge our batteries? How do we de-stress? And how do we learn the crucial daily routines and strategies to help us not trip that far fight or flight system all the time to help us recover, to help us feel like we're not so derailed by hiccups and bad news on our journey. And because life is not perfect. Life is like one constant challenge after the next. And it particularly feels like that through trying to conceive an infertility for so many of us. So how do we learn the crucial things that we didn't learn in school and that we need to know to help us foster true resilience and to help us feel better, to navigate our relationships better and to help us recover from whatever comes our way. Month three, it's all about renewing. How do we start to really find our joy? How do we start to feel like we have the steps to move forward And run our own race rather than feeling like we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people or feeling derailed by what's happening in other people's lives. How do we start to foster true self-confidence and true self-care? How do we start to really bring ourselves back to living this one life and embracing and experiencing things that make it feel like our lives are so full at the same time as we're going through something that is potentially quite 
challenging and at times distressing for us, how do we tune back into that and feel renewed and refreshed through this experience? I'd love to invite you to join us as we go through the very first 90-day reset in the Mind-Body Fertility Reset. I've worked super hard to make this an incredibly accessible program. The research shows that those who are in support groups, those who undertake mind-body programs have much better outcomes as well. But the outcome that I want you to have is one where you feel like you've got this, where you feel so much calmer during the two-week wait, during the next steps when it feels like you're going deeper and deeper into fertility clinic land where you feel like both yourself and if you have a partner, your partner are both making steps forward instead of feeling disconnected and feeling like they're struggling but I don't know how to help them and how do I help them, you know, feeling like you've got your confidence and your mojo back, feeling like you can take this journey on and feeling like you have the tools to cope with whatever comes your way next. So regardless of what you are working through with your trying to conceive journey, whether that includes loss, whether that includes trying to conceive in a bigger body, a solo fertility journey, whatever that journey looks like for you, you are welcome here. And as I said, I've worked really hard to make this such an incredible program that everyone can access. If you'd like to learn more, then head to robinburkin.com slash reset. One of the number one ways that our members have found out about this program is through the podcast. If you feel like you'd like a more holistic toolkit and something that can really and truly support you through your fertility journey, then I'd love to welcome you to join us, particularly for our challenge beginning on the 10th of November. So without delaying any further, let's chat about what to expect on your first IVF cycle. This has come about because every Monday I do a QA and a post on Instagram. So if you do ever want to ask me any questions, I answer as many as I can. And this is the number one question that I'm asked at the moment. Before I start, I just want to let you know, and in the show notes of this podcast, I have also linked to some other really helpful episodes. So you can check out the show notes, but these other episodes are five tips for your next egg retrieval five tips for IVF newbies, my hyperstimulation experience, is IUI a waste of time with one of my favorite fertility specialists, Dr. Sasha Huckman. And we talk about IVF in that and what, you know, what can be some of the benefits of IVF. And I also have a huge post. So I have a podcast, but it's also supported by a massive like text post called 100 Affirmations and Mantras for Fertility. And I talk in that a little bit about why you might use affirmations and mantras, my own story, what some of the benefits are, and 100 affirmations and mantras for fertility, including some specifically for things like IVF and IUI. So if you head to the show notes on that, on this episode, you'll be able to go through and link to those and read them or listen to them on the podcast. So what should you expect on your first IVF cycle? So lots of people will be coming to this from the concept, from the, I guess, background of having done a number of IUIs, although there will be some people who, for whatever reason, IUI is not appropriate 
And IVF will be their first foray into more in-depth fertility treatments. So what exactly should you expect? So the first thing that I want to let you know is that it's okay to have a mix of feelings. It's also okay if it's taken you a while to get your head around the fact that IVF is your next right step. I've had hundreds of clients and they often feel really differently about IVF. Some of them have been wanting to do IVF since the start. They've been like, just push me into it. I want this as fast as I can and I want to do whatever's going to give me the best success rates. Whereas others are still feeling shell-shocked by the fact that this hasn't happened naturally. Some people are feeling really scared because it can feel like a really big step to get put under. So it's okay if you are feeling a range of emotions from feeling a little bit hopeful to feeling really scared to also feeling a little bit disappointed and sad that it has come to this. So whatever you are feeling, know that it's okay to have those feelings. Know that it's quite common to have quite mixed feelings. And I want you to know as well that you can also do things scared. It's okay if you go into surgery feeling scared about the next steps. That doesn't mean that you necessarily have to not do something. It's okay to feel really scared, but also feel like it's a big, massive trust fall and you're just going to leap in and dive in anyway. Sometimes when we are doing things that might not be as we have expected, or it might be something that is so wildly out of our comfort zone that can feel deeply uncomfortable and scary. Fear is not always a really good indicator of whether or not we should do something. Your brain and your inner voice, not necessarily your inner critic, the logic, the area of your brain, that prefrontal cortex that can make rational decisions and problem solving, that's the area to tune into and to tune into the fears masquerading as facts, tune them out and tune into, well, what is in my highest good? I've made this decision to go through with IVF, therefore it's okay to feel scared. It's actually okay to have 12,000 thoughts in my head about certain things. All of that's okay, but I'm still going to move forward anyway. Ah, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to quickly jump in and express how grateful I am that you're here today. Just to let you know that if you'd like more emotional well-being, resilience and conception tips to check out my programs and services, you can find me on my website at robinberkin.com or on Instagram at robinberkin. All right, let's get back to it. So what's going to happen when you go through an IVF cycle and what might make it a little bit different to an IUI? The first thing is that when you go through an IUI, they're typically going to still want to manage the cycle as best they can. And so that means they may give you some medications to help ensure that your estrogen levels are where they should be, to help trigger your ovulation. They want to still be able to control all of those elements and particularly the timing. And there's many different reasons why fertility warriors go on many different medications. 
so many factors and so many different medications. And there are also so many different IVF cycles. So and they, sometimes they have funny names, might be a sandwich cycle or an antagonist cycle. And that's where you really start to learn the expertise of fertility clinics uh, and just generally reproductive medicine because they're looking at these different scenarios of what has worked for different demographics. And that might look like some people may have injectables for five days and then they may stop the injectables and then they may do something different after that. So sometimes it's with the medications, it's going to look a little bit different, particularly at the start. But generally when you're going in for an egg retrieval or doing your first IVF cycle, what they're trying to do in that beginning part of the cycle is what they would call super ovulation. They just want to get as many follicles to mature as possible. So what it feels like, and sometimes you'll have injectables to do that, is like grapefruits on your ovaries. It can start to feel a little bit bloaty, a little bit uncomfortable. I know that when I was going through it, sometimes I would sit down at my desk at work and feel like I had these big stones inside me. Did it other outside of that feel terrible? No. Does it did that mean that during those two weeks I was unable to live my normal life? No. The only thing generally to be aware of is, and I talk about this all the time is ovarian torsion. So you don't want to like really twist that. And that's why they don't generally recommend like yoga or any kind of strenuous exercise during that time, because then that can become a serious complication. So typically they'll recommend that if you like to get some movement, et cetera, to just do gentle walking during stims. Okay. So that doesn't mean every cycle that you need to do that, but particularly during stims, when you're going for super ovulation, it's the one time when you know, I know exercise is a big question, but this is the one time when you want to just go easy on exercise and what you want to do is gentle walking only. So you're going to get to a point where they'll say, okay, you know, either take these pills or inject yourself and they'll give you, before you go through an IVF cycle, this varies per countries. They may have different things that you need to tick off. So we had to watch an information video about fertility we about IVF, we had to meet once with a psychotherapist and there was one other thing that we had to do, which was possibly a whole new set of consents. And typically when you go through with IVF, you'll have to consent to a lot of different things. So things like, well, what will happen with my eggs or my embryos if one of us dies? Like Ross, for example, died then and I had these embryos in the freezer does he give me permission to use them as I wish? So you may sign consents like that or you may sign consents to, okay, what's the plan after this cycle if you have eggs left over? Like can you consent that we're going to freeze them and then you're going to pay whatever amount per year for us to hold them for up to 10 years? Another thing you might sign is some consent forms to talk about if you have embryos left over that you don't want anymore are we discarding them? Are we giving them to another couple or are we giving them to science? So sometimes there's some questions that you want to talk about with your partner. When you go, sort of like as you go to each next level, there's different considerations that you have that you need to meet with people about and that you need to have the conversations with your partner about as well. So 
you'll have a process of things that you need to tick off and things that you check. Sometimes I'll also talk about, especially if you're over 35, implanting multiple embryos and what what your permissions look like for that. Typically, clinics will only ever implant one embryo. It's so much less risky. And I've I remember on multiple occasions feeling like, could you just put two in? Because I've got all my fingers and toes crossed that I just have twins. And that means that I only have to go through this process once. Can you relate? But it is more complicated. There are more risks. And just implanting two doesn't mean it will result in two taking and doesn't mean that that and if two take that doesn't mean that it will result in two babies but sometimes when you get to over 35 or if you have quality issues with your embryos then they may say look let's not waste this opportunity we'll just put two in okay so that's very clinic dependent and country dependent as to what they will do but I know that that's the most common thing in Australia I did end up on multiple occasions though implanting two. I did have an IUI cycle that was cancelled because I had three dominant follicles. So what's going to happen for you during this cycle is really variable. And if you've not really had a super ovulation before, who knows how you will react to particular medications? Who knows what the quality of the eggs and the embryos are going to look like because when you have an IUI, so much of that is still internal and unknown. So when the episode where we talk about is IUI a waste of time, one of the things that we talk about is when you go through an IVF cycle, that can also be diagnostic. So that's where you actually have a really good opportunity to check what is my fertilization rate? what how what is the quality of my eggs how long do they last that's when you have the opportunity to really start testing all of those things which you wouldn't necessarily be able to check when you had an IUI so you'll spend the first portion of your cycle going through this super ovulation to develop as many mature follicles as you can and the first thing that I want to let you know on this is that the numbers vary greatly There are going to be some fertility warriors who will only still have one dominant follicle. There are going to be some fertility warriors who get to the first ultrasound. So they'll start doing ultrasounds at about midway through then. And you might have two to three ultrasounds during this process. Again, it's kind of variable. But what they want to do is count essentially how many are over or likely to be over about 18 mils and what they are, you're, I, it's, it's like a fluid-filled sack. So that's fairly large, but it's a fluid-filled sack. So the actual egg I don't think is that big, but they'll look for what are the size of them all. So they'll count them, how many are on the left, how many are on the right, what are the size. So you'll say they'll say, like, here's these really tiny ones, here's the notable ones, and then here's the ones that are already this size. And based on that information, that's when your fertility specialist will make the call about when your retrieval will be. So you won't have that much advance notice for your retrieval. And they could say to you, we think it's going to be on Thursday. And then the next thing you know, they've actually pushed it back to Monday. So we were talking about this in one of the support groups for the reset. And sometimes you kind of don't know when you're going to need to take 
work off. We'll talk in a moment about recovery, but sometimes you're also not really going to know what your recovery will look like either. Sometimes it's really quick. Sometimes it takes just a little bit longer to feel better. So they'll then give you, they might say, come back in two days for another ultrasound, or they might say, yep, we're going to go through for a retrieval on this day. And so what will happen is you'll then be given a certain time that you'll have your trigger shot. So kind of the same for IUI. And what they'll do is then you will go into the hospital. Typically, there are some clinics that do it at the clinic. There is also possible for some people to have their retrievals while they're awake uh, with like a local anesthetic, but by and large, people will go under a general general anesthetic. So for me, what my experience looked like was that we would go first thing in the morning to the hospital. We'd get there and there'd be, you know, however many other egg retrievals in the line. And they'd say, we're thinking that yours will be about 11 a.m. So then I would go. I had two egg retrievals. One, I had public health insurance. So one of them was in the lovely private area of the hospital. One of them was in the public area of the hospital. And we got there. You basically just wait for your time. You know, as per usual with any surgery, you'll have the anesthetist come and have a chat with you. And then you get wheeled in. So you'll get wheeled in. You'll get put under. And both occasions, even though like it wasn't my fertility specialist who conducted either of my retrievals, however, it was one of the main fertility specialists at the clinic and he was the person assigned to do all the egg retrievals for that day. So that may be your experience as well. And then you'll wake up. Sometimes they'll write it on your hand how many eggs they retrieved. Know that this number is typically fairly different to the number that you think you'll have during the ultrasound. Sometimes that's because some of the follicles are empty and there's no egg inside it. It can vary for many different reasons. Some of the, some of the eggs may not have been mature enough, but the number might not be what you first thought you would have on the ultrasound and that's okay and that's normal and that can be a very variable thing. You'll wake up. And you might feel some pain. You might feel just a little bit of discomfort. And then they'll try to get some IV fluids into you before you're discharged. So typically I would go into the hospital at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, and I would come out at about 2 p.m., 2.30 when all was done, when I had woken up. One of them I felt like I was in quite a lot of pain after, and one of them I felt pretty fine. I went and got a burrito. (laughs) Um, so the next steps are fairly variable. So then what will happen is you'll begin the nervous wait to see what happens with these embryos. And it is a nervous wait. So by and large, most clinics will try and wait until they'll first you'll see how many fertilize. Again, this can be really variable. My understanding is that they aim for around 75% to fertilize. On one cycle, let me reassure you, we had 25% fertilize. Wasn't the best news day that I'd had, especially because I felt like I'd worked so hard to produce all of these eggs. And I had then developed something called hyperstimulation. Um, and basically what happens, you've 
swelled your ovaries to the size of grapefruits and then everything inside it has been taken out and it's almost like your body tries to fill that back up with some fluid. You can get what's called, I don't know how to pronounce it, like acytes, where the fluid leaks out just into your abdominal cavity. And I ended up with about seven kilos, which I think is around like 15, 16 pounds of fluid around my abdomen at one point. And listen to that episode if you want to know. It's not that common though. The next couple of days, first things first is that you'll find out. So you'll have written on your hand or a nurse will come and see you and tell me how many, tell you how many they've retrieved. Then you'll basically hear the next day from the embryologists or the nurses and they'll tell you how many fertilized. Then they'll kind of let you know the next steps. Uh, sometimes You'll go in at 48 hours just for a general checkup to see how you're feeling. Sometimes you won't. And often they will try to get them to blast, which means that they turn into what's called a blastocyst, which is makes it to day five. Okay. This is it's really variable. Again, how many make it to blast? I always had, I'm the only one who's I know who's ever had this day two transfers, but the other thing that they may do is if they don't think many will last to blast is I have heard of them doing day three um, transfers. Nowadays, the like freezing and thawing is highly effective and so often what they'll do It enables them to control the cycle so much more, control the variables. You're not trying to recover from an egg retrieval at the same time as doing a transfer, is that there'll be some instances where fertility clinics will do what's called a freeze-all. So they'll just freeze all of the embryos So at whatever stage they think is appropriate. So often that is day five. They might freeze them all and then get you to come back in a month or two once you've recovered from that, to then do what's called a frozen embryo transfer, FET. Let's say you do do like a day five egg transfer, then that's basically like what an IUI is like. So it feels a bit like a pap smear. The embryologist will come, they'll be like, here it is. Sometimes they'll show you an image of what it looks like and then that will go in and the next step is for it to implant. So at the time that they place that embryo inside you, you're already like two and a bit weeks in advance, if that makes sense, and you might be already five days past ovulation, which then means that typically you've only got nine days to wait to see if that has been a positive pregnancy test or not. So that can be a nerve-wracking wait in and of itself. If you Google Robin Birkin TWW challenge, you'll see that I have a free two-week wait challenge. You can always sign up to that and you'll receive a daily love note from me with tips, guidance, uh, some ways to emotionally cope through infertility, as well as some other little bits and pieces. It's completely free. But that's generally what it's going to look like. So some parts are similar to an IUI, but an egg retrieval is very different. What they do when they do an egg retrieval is they'll go like up through the vagina and then punch through, and then they'll suck out those eggs from there. You won't know about it because you'll be asleep. You'll just wake up a couple of hours later and be like, okay, how many did I get? So what should you be focusing on or doing at this point? And the biggest advice that I can give to you is at this point, The majority of 
the work that you could be doing has probably been done. So give yourself a permission slip to just be, to just get your head emotionally around next steps, to help you navigate PIO injections, to help you support yourself if you're feeling really tired, whatever the next step is, rather than so much striving, try to take a step back and give yourself permission to just be. When we look at egg quality, we're looking at like a 90-day window to really develop that. So if you are on the cusp of beginning an IVF cycle, you're already well and truly into that period. Take a minute to pause for applause at all the hard work that you've been doing, all the emotional parts of the roller coaster that you've been going through and take this time to really honour yourself and just focus on emotionally navigating what comes next, okay? In terms of supporting your success, you can mostly, by and large, do most of the things that you would normally do. So other than what I discussed, which was during that stimulation phase, You don't want to be doing any kind of twisting or yoga, weightlifting, anything that might result in ovarian torsion. After that, you're pretty much fine to go about your daily business outside of having really hot spas and baths and then not swinging from the rafters and doing anything crazy. There's really, honestly, I promise you, not much you can do to do things differently once you get into the thick of the cycle there is no evidence really to suggest that bed rest after everything is a more effective strategy in fact if you look at the research a lot of it suggests that just getting up and about walking even right after your transfer can actually be a better strategy so if they get you up straight away and you're like oh my god it's going to fall out it's not going to fall out I promise you and it it can result in a slightly better outcome the research is a little is not super strong in any direction but in the olden days women used to have to lie for two weeks on like an inverted bed you don't have to do that so you can kind of go about your day about your business in the way that feels really good to you So that would be my recommendation is to support yourself emotionally. Don't wrap yourself too much in cotton wool balls and make yourself go crazy just sitting in front of the TV watching Netflix. If you want to go out, if you want to go to the farmer's markets or go for a walk in your two-week wait, then do it. Like seriously navigate to what's going to support you emotionally. And know that there may be some hiccups along the way. Not everything necessarily goes to plan and that's really hard. I've heard, honestly, I've heard stories every which way of things going really different, difficultly. And again, I wanted to really strongly encourage you to make sure that you have the emotional support that you need on this journey to move forward and really encourage you also to lean on your support networks. What support do you need in this time? Uh, how you know? Take real stock of how you're coping. Uh, do you feel like you're coping or do you feel like you need something else 
to support you at this next level. And it's a big deal. It's not a small deal that you're going through. Infertility, the stress of it has been shown to be comparable to that of cancer, an AIDS diagnosis or heart disease. So under those circumstances, it would be perfectly reasonable to seek some extra support to cope emotionally. I don't want you to minimize what you're going through. If you feel like it's really significant and not ever feel ashamed to get some support, whatever that looks like and whatever you think is going to help you get to the next level. Do also know that I have seen some of the absolute worst case scenarios for egg retrievals, zero PGS normal uh, embryos, and then got pregnant and had a baby in the next cycle. Am I saying that that's going to be you? No. Uh, That may also be after having four retrievals and no PGS normal embryos, the point at which you say, I'm done with this. I'm ready for my next chapter and see what that looks like. But also do know that the results can be really variable. What happens on one cycle might be really different to what happens on the next cycle, particularly if they change up the medications for different cycles as well. I hope you've really liked this episode and I hope I haven't forgotten anything. I feel like there's so much that I could talk about with regard to IVF cycles. If you have any other questions or if you think of anything that I've missed, please come and reach out to me on Instagram at Robin Birkin and I'll make sure that we either pencil that in for a future episode or that we talk about it just a little bit more on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in to me this episode. I can't wait to speak to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Fertility Warriors. We'll meet you again same time next week. Before you go, though, if you do need some further support, then we encourage you to come and join us at the Mind Body Fertility Reset, the ultimate community for anyone who would like to conquer stress and fuel their fertility. In the Mind Body Fertility Reset, we focus on some of the big pillars to fertility awesomeness. That is community and support, having community there to lift you up and to carry you through your hard times sustainable and small steps lifestyle support helping you conquer your diet goals your movement goals cut out toxins and enjoy food and becoming your best and healthiest self in a small steps and sustainable way and lastly and what i think is most importantly emotional well-being Infertility and trying to conceive can be an incredibly hard journey and it's really hard when we haven't learnt the skills through school and through other avenues to help support ourselves through really hard times. So in the Mind Body Fertility Reset community, we go through all of these things to help you become your best and healthiest self and thrive despite this journey. To find out more, visit us at robinburkin.com slash mindbodyfertilityreset. And lastly, we need to let you know that any of the information contained in this podcast is for inspirational and educational purposes only. It doesn't substitute advice from a qualified medical professional or mental health expert. Please know that there is no shame ever getting more help when you need it and to always consult with your medical professional before taking on any changes to your journey. Wishing you all the best and cannot wait to catch you next week. Bye.